Hi and welcome to the Mount Hamilton Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. For more information, go to mhbc.ca. My name is Leanne. If some of you came after I introduced myself, I'm the lead pastor here. And this is a time when we learn together. We're going to learn a bit more about that passage. But first, let me tell you a story about a time that I made a truly, truly rookie parenting mistake. And some of you, if you have kids or you know kids, you're going to be like, Leanne, I'm going to be like, I know. I call it the Christmas Eve I gave my children different versions of the same present. I know, I know. It started, um, innocently enough, one day I was at a store and I saw these adorable stuffed owls. But they only had two, and one was a snowy owl and one was a brown owl. I thought, they're both cute, I'll give one the white owl. Won the brown owl, my first mistake. So uh, this was actually a gift I gave on Christmas Eve. Like lots of you, we give pajamas on Christmas Eve. And I thought, oh, they get a little, little cuddle. These are the creatures. They give, they, I'll give a little creature they can cuddle, a new friend to uh, snuggle with in bed. And I gave Josiah, who at the time you can see is pretty small, uh, the white owl, and Lucy, my daughter, who was about five at the time, this brown owl. And I will tell you what happened. We spent all day saying, you know, tonight, Lucy, you get to open your Christmas Eve gift. And I think uh, part of it was that she was just kind of old enough to get it for the first time, and she'd been thinking about this gift all day, and she opened this gift, Josiah opened this white owl, and she opened this brown owl, and she looked at it, and she, I'm not putting this lightly, she lost her mind, she really did. Um, There were so many tears, you can still see her set, this is us convincing her that it's a nice owl, she was unconvinced. Um, we had a friend, not this friend, we had another friend that was living with us at the time that was like got a science background. He started explaining to her how cool brown owls are. She was not convinced. She was crying. We need to go back to the store. We need to change it. I need a white owl tonight. It's 10 o'clock on Christmas Eve, honey. I cannot get you another owl. I can't get you another stuffy. She wanted the white owl. Why didn't you buy two white owls? Why didn't I get the white owl? So many questions I could not answer. And I learned a valuable lesson about buying my children the same color, the same style of everything ever since. Some of you are nodding like, Leanne, I know, okay, rookie, rookie mistake. Now, the reason I tell this story is we've been talking about something called spiritual gifts. And in the Bible, it talks about how God gives us gifts. Um, Of course, we have gifts that are blessings, physical, tangible things. But when we talk about spiritual gifts, we mean gifts of uh, the way that we've been made, uh, gifts that we use for others, things about us. And we've been talking about this idea in particular. Uh, But to each one of you, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Now, some of you haven't been here over the last few weeks, uh, but what we've done over the last few weeks is we've looked at each of those five. And so if you're a bit more interested in what those mean, you can go back and you can hear those sermons on our website, on Facebook, uh, under Sunday at Home, where we do our live worship service before this one. Um, But what we've talked about is how God gives all these different gifts, and that these are ways God has made and shaped us. Um, But the thing is, as we're continuing to talk about gifts and what this means for the body of Christ, which is what we call all of us together, there are some times that gift giving is a bit complicated, right? You've given gifts that have not always been successful, not unlike me that Christmas Eve. Sometimes we get gifts we don't want. Sometimes the gifts we're given we don't use. We put them on a shelf, we forget about them or ignore them. Sometimes 
we want what other people got, right? Sometimes, even when it comes to spiritual gifts, we're kind of like my daughter Lucy with the brown owl. I don't want the brown owl. I want the white owl. I don't want what God gave me. I want what God gave somebody else. Um, And the story that we're looking at today in the Bible is about a church that was kind of having some brown owl gift sort of feelings, I think. A feeling where the gift giving, the receiving and using of God's gifts had gotten a bit complicated. And it's a church in a place called Corinth. Now, Corinth is not a place you could visit today except Bruins, but Corinth uh, was an ancient city that existed at the time that Jesus was alive, and then after he died, rose again, and went back to heaven. And we have two letters in the Bible. We now consider them books of the Bible, but originally they were letters. We have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, because if you lived in Corinth, you were called a Corinthian. So today it would have been 1 Hamiltonians and 2 Hamiltonians. And so uh, what was happening in Corinth is interesting because Corinth was an interesting place to try and be a Christian. Corinth uh, was notorious for being what we would say, let's say like a real party city. It was on a port, so that meant that people would often come and just stay for a short time, and there were always people of different cultures that were coming and going all the time. And of course, they had a culture to meet the needs and desires of that particular uh, situation. It was known for having lots of different religions. There were a lot of different, we can see this from archaeological finds, that there were many different gods worshipped in Corinth. It was an anything-goes sort of place. Uh, In fact, and I've said this often, it really would have been at the time the city where you'd say, whatever happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. There's a commentator that actually said it was like the New York City, L.A., Los Angeles of its day all rolled into one. So Corinth was an interesting place to now say, now I'm a Christian, and I'm going to follow this Jesus guy. And that's why these letters that were written by someone, uh, by a man named Paul, and he's saying, you know, let me help you learn how you're going to figure this out. And as you can imagine, as a church, they had lots of stuff to figure out. And in the book of 1 Corinthians, he's addressing things that they were struggling with morally, issues of who should be leaders, issues of who would be included, not included, how they should treat their marriages, lots of different things. And then when we get to 1 Corinthians 11, a little bit before what Leslie read for us, she read from 1 Corinthians 14, and if you want to look at this along, there are some Bibles distributed around, or you may want to use your phone. You can see that starting in 1 Corinthians 11, because they're broken up into chapters, this letter, we've since added chapters, uh, one of the things that the author is addressing, that we believe God used this author to address, was that they were having tensions or struggles around worship. By worship, I mean what we do here, that when they were coming together, there seemed to be some things that Paul wanted to address about what was going on when they got together for their worship services. If you look in 1 Corinthians 11, he talks about head coverings. If you look at the headings, then he talks about how you should deal with some, what we now call communion, which we'll have later today. And he's like, there's some stuff here kind of not doing like you should with communion. Let me, let me explain that to you. And then when you get to 12, it talks about spiritual gifts. Now, we've been talking about spiritual gifts, right? And this is what he says. He points out that there's lots of different gifts in the church, And he says he doesn't want them to be uninformed about this, that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit, 
uh, distributes them. This is in verse 4, chapter 12. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And then he actually gives examples, starting in verse 8, verse chapter 12. To one there is given this through the Spirit, a message of wisdom, to another of knowledge, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, still to another the interpretation of tongues, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now you're going to see on the slide here uh, some different ways that gifts are mentioned in Scripture. And one of the common questions that I've had as we've been talking about these five gifts mentioned in Ephesians are, are those the only gifts? And the short answer is no. These are other gifts that are mentioned specifically in Scripture. I just listed the one in 1 Corinthians. In the book of Romans, there's some other gifts listed. So there's other gifts mentioned in Scripture, and there's also gifts that people have that we know aren't mentioned in Scripture. You see gifts that people have. I once read an author who said, you know, the Bible doesn't mention the gift of the person who always cleans the dishes after the church potluck. (laughs) And we know that some people have that gift, don't they? They have that heart that is willing to do that. Um, I see Ephesians in many ways. The reason I use those five is that they give us sort of big categories to think about ourselves and those big ways God has shaped and made us. And uh, sorry, teachers should have been on that last line there. That's my bad. And these are other gifts that we may also have. And so there's, let me just say right away that there are lots of gifts you may have. And you may have gifts more than once. You may have gifts more than one gift at a time. You may have more than one of the five in Ephesians. You may have more than some of these. You may have some for certain seasons and then find in other seasons God gives you new gifts and new calls. Um, But he's emphasizing all these things here. He's not making an exhaustive list. Paul's not trying to say, let me tell you every single gift that God may give you. He's making a point. And there's a reason that he's making a point. He's saying, like, let me remind you that there's lots of different gifts. Because remember, he's talking about worship. And the issue is that he wants to address, which we see by the time we get to 1 Corinthians 14, that they are maybe focusing on one gift a little bit too much. If you remember, it starts by saying in verse 2, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. And then he goes on to talk about the specific gift of speaking in tongues. Now, some of you, when I talk about tongues and the gift of tongues, tongues is a weird word to say over and over. So we're just going to embrace that I'm going to say it a lot now. It feels it's a f- tongue. So this word, this idea of the gift of tongues, um, some of you are going to have different opinions on it. Some of you are sitting there like, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. This is completely foreign to me. Some of you are like, I know what you're talking about, and I don't like it. You got some feelings about it. And some of you are like, I know what you're talking about, and I like it a lot, and I'm excited to talk more about this topic. But let me explain. God had first sent the Holy Spirit. We read that the Holy Spirit arrives for the first time. The very presence of God arrives among these followers of Jesus. And when they do, they start speaking in a bunch of languages that none of them spoke before and that other people go, oh, they're speaking my language. Remember, this is a place where people didn't travel a lot. And all of a sudden it says that they've got like Parthians and all these people hearing their own language speaking. They're like, aren't these like disciples, just like fishermen from Galilee? How are they doing this? And it's this, what we now call the gift of tongues. 
And so this gift was happening in Corinthians, where people would start to speak in different languages. Sometimes languages that no one on earth actually speaks. Sometimes people say tongues can be more of like a heavenly language. Um, some say it's an angelic language. Maybe some of you have seen it. Maybe some of you haven't. It can feel a little odd if you're not used to it. Um, but this is what's happening in the church. And what would seem was happening is that they were actually very focused on getting the gift of tongues. Because to them, that gift was a clear sign of the Holy Spirit, right? Like any of us could get up and be like, I think the Holy Spirit wants to do this. We would hope it was the Holy Spirit. But if someone starts speaking in something and you know they don't speak that language, it becomes, wow, that, that's something I've never seen before. So everyone wanted to speak in tongues. And what would seem was happening is they were speaking in tongues all the time in the services to the point that in case you think we're the only people that debate how we should do worship and how thing, what songs we should sing and how that should look, that Paul has to send like a little missive saying, you guys got to get the tongues like under control, okay? Um, and he basically starts to explain that, you know, if all of you are speaking in tongues at once, no one understand each other. Uh, it's a gift that, in fact, if there's no one there to interpret it, which is another gift that's mentioned, then people don't even know what's being said, and he is basically challenging about this because they're not thinking of the whole church. They're just thinking of themselves, some of them in these moments. Now, speaking in tongues is still sometimes an issue today. Churches debate this if, there's a new, if this is a new idea to you. There's people who say uh, that the gift of tongues only exists in the early church. Christians aren't supposed to do it anymore. There's churches that say, if you don't speak in tongues, you've never really experienced the Holy Spirit. Uh, in the beginning of the last century is when we saw a whole movement that was sparked and really began as people started speaking in tongues, what we call the Pentecostal movement. And in 1906, there was a revival called the Azusa Street Revival, and people started speaking in tongues. And they were like, the Spirit has poured out us again, like on the days of the early church. And in that church, that, uh, that branch of Christianity, speaking in tongues is fairly normative. Um, but then some, and so we might say, oh, and some of us say, I might want that gift. Some of you have had that gift. Some of you have spoken in tongues. Um, some of you have had maybe awkward things with that if you have people who've put a big emphasis on, like I said, the churches were like, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. And I have a friend who told me he went to a church where this was such a big deal to him that people kept trying to get him to speak in tongues. And they said, here's what you have to do. You just pray over and over, can I get a Honda? And if you say it enough... It starts to sound like tongues, and so try it. So if you've ever heard tongues, right? Can I get a Honda? Can I get a Honda? Can I get a Honda? <laughs> Literally what the man was told to do. Isn't that terrible? And they're like, just do that over and over, and it'll turn into tongues. So you can see, <laughs> can I get a Honda? So you can see how it's funny, because it does sound like tongues. So you can see how it can really kind of be a tense, difficult thing just as much today as it was then. But I don't actually want to speak about the gift of tongues today. I do think God gives people the gift of tongues. I would love it if he gave it to me today. That'd be cool. Let's see. Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I've never experienced it on a personal level, and I think that would be great. Uh, but what this passage is about is, I think, goes much bigger than that one specific gift. This was the gift that was tripping them up in some ways. But I think the lesson that's here, as Paul's writing them and saying, don't focus so much on getting this one specific gift is a wonderful lesson to all of us about how we act as the body of Christ trying to use our gifts well. Like I said, we've been talking about gifts, right? And this is about gifts. 
And I think we could say that the Corinthians were kind of obsessed with the white owl that had become speaking of tongues. They didn't want the other gifts. He'd given this whole list of gifts. He said there's other gifts. Some of you have wisdom. Some of you have faith. Some of you have uh, the ability to perform miracles, it says. But they're like, well, I don't want that. I want, I want tongues. I want the white owl. I want this other thing. What this reminds me, though, is that three things that this passage teaches us that I'd like to remind us of. The first one is all gifts are important. So let me remind you of that. We can get very focused on wanting other gifts. And so, as I said, we've been talking about this since September, and this is a common thing that I've noticed, that sometimes after sermon, it will be very clear to someone that there's some similarities between what I was saying and themselves, and their friends will be like, you totally have that gift, and they'll be like, I don't know, I don't think I do, and sometimes they don't kind of really want that gift. Or they'll like overanalyze, they'll be like, well, like you gave that list of how you might know you have the gift, and I didn't have all of them. Like I had 12 of them, but I didn't have the 13th, so like I'm still not like really sure. One of the biggest ones I saw this for was those of you last week who were confronted with the idea that you might have the gift of evangelism. I've been arguing with a lot of you evangelists this week. I don't really know about evangelism. They don't want to have it. They don't like the title. I'm like, give it a different word. It's a good thing. It's gathering people together and into God's kingdom. And so sometimes we treat our gifts like Goosey treated the brown owl. I don't want that one. I don't like that one. I want a different one. I want the one my friend has. But I want you to remember that because, and and the other thing is sometimes what we think, um, the reason we say we don't have it is because it doesn't feel like a gift to us. And so another common thing I've heard people say is, well, that's not a gift. Like, anyone would do that. Anyone would do that, right? And so this thing that you've done very naturally your whole life, you've never thought of it as a gift, and you kind of think it's very normal, but actually other people are looking at it and seeing it is very special in you. Oh, anyone would pray for someone who was struggling. Anyone would you know, be willing to teach a Bible study. Anyone would be willing to care for someone who's hurting. Like, not always. As I've often said, one of my favorite quotes, what is common sense to you is your gift to the world. More specifically, what is common sense to you may be God's gift through you to the world. And what I'll say it again. What's common sense to you may be God's gift through you to the world. And while you're saying, that's not really a gift. It's just like a brown owl. It's not very exciting. The brown owl is really cute. The brown owl is, I, I liked it better than the white one. It has a place. So don't shun a gift because it seems maybe not as exciting as someone else's. That's what Paul wants to say here is like, desire, like desire God and like, like listen to all these gifts. See how they can all be used. I think of a, just a short snippet from the book of Romans, uh, chapter 9, and it reads in verses 20 to 21. Sorry. But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lunk of clay some poetry for special purposes and some for common use? Who are you to talk back to God and say, why did you make me this way? And yet that's sometimes what we do. We say, I want to be made a different way. 
This week, someone sent me this beautiful devotional from, the, from the, their children's Bible that they own, and I'm full-on stealing the illustration. I like it so much. In this story, it said, Katie's a little girl, and they come home from church one day, and she says, why don't I have the gift of singing like you, like mom and dad and my brother, you're all beautiful singings, and I can't carry a note in a bucket. And they say, oh, but you have different gifts, Katie. And, you know, and they say, you're such a beautiful artist. And she says, yeah, but I really wish I could sing. That's the one I really want. So the next day, her dad comes home, and he gives her this gift, and he says to open it, and it's this set of paints. And she's so excited. Remember, she's an artist. When she opens the paints, they're all blue. Dad's making a point. And so she says, Dad, why did you only buy me blue paints? And he says, well, you can't paint the same picture if there's just one color, can't you? You need all the colors in the palette in the same way the church needs all of us to use our gifts. We're not all blue paint. That's a good little illustration, isn't it? Now, some of us might say, if you were listening to Leslie read, he says, I want, why don't you speak, have prophecy? Right? He actually seems to emphasize one. He says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. What he means, I love all you to have that experience, but I'd rather you have prophecy. So it can seem that he's like, well, isn't he sort of saying one is a bit better than the rest here? But again, he's making a point. He's like, if you're going to pick one, why aren't you picking the one, as he goes on to say, the one who prophesies is the one greater than the speaking in tongues unless someone interprets because the church can be edified. In other words, when someone gets up and says, I think this is what God has to say, and it's a language everyone understands, he's like, that kind of benefits everyone more than someone just praying between them and God in tongues. Again, notice he still thinks tongues is a good thing, but he's pointing out to them don't make your gift, uh, he's making the same point about not focusing your gifts on things that are just for you. So he's not, I still don't think he's kind of saying some gifts are better than others. But brings me to the next point, which was on the slide as well. And it's all connected here that all our gifts are important, and I've said this before, and gifts are to be used for the church. As we read on in 14, he makes this great analogy he says in verse 7, even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there's a distinction between the notes, right? So as anyone can pick up an instrument and just blare into it, it's not going to sound like anything. So he's using this example of doing thing, using things well so that it's beneficial for others. He goes on to say, if a trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? This is when trumpets were used to call troops together. So, so if no one recognizes it, how is that going to be helpful? They were only, in some ways, it sounds, kind of focused on themselves. Oh, I want the gift of tongues. That would be really cool to experience. Um, and why I think this is important to remember at this point, as we've been talking about this, is that it's really easy when we do a series like this that's about gifts to get really focused on ourselves. In fact, sometimes it's why I almost hesitate to talk about this. And we can get very fixated on, what gift do I have? I don't know what gift I have. I want to know what gift I have. And all of a sudden becomes about us. And we're thinking about us all the time. And we don't just do this with gifts. We can do this with other types of personality things. Some of us love the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders, right? And it can become very focused on us just figuring ourselves out and even figuring ourselves off to make excuses for ourselves. When all of these things, when God uses them for us, are meant to help us love others better, become more like Christ, be able to use these things so they greater honor God. It's not just for us. It's not so you can go away and be like, I know what I am now. So I think the invitation in this passage is to remember um, that you don't need to have any gift beside the one you have. 
but the gift you have is to be used to build God's church. And so the invitation as we continue with this is to say, how are you now going to use that gift? Um, at the back today on the table under the stairs, some of you received this in our workshop on Friday night, or you'll receive it after church today if you're coming to our spiritual gifts workshop today. You're welcome. I'll say more about that later. You can come if you haven't signed up. Um, I gave a whole list of a bunch of jobs here at Mount Hamilton. And you might want to look through that and be like, I've never really thought about where I could serve. It might not be Mount Hamilton. It might be other places. It could be that you've been in a situation where you've discovered something new about yourself that you never thought of as a gift before. Um, but our goal here is not to simply say, well, now I know what I am. Isn't that cool? It's to actually say, how is this now going to benefit God's kingdom? That's the invitation going forward. The next thing uh, that I want us to remember, then, as we go from here as well, is that our heart's desire is always to seek God and not the gift. And so this is really what Paul's invitation is here. They're actually shifting a bit. They're a little less interested in God, it would seem, and more like, I want tongues, because that'd be cool. How the gifts work is that we actually seek God's presence in our life. And as the Holy Spirit comes into our life, that spirit gives us the gift. We don't know what gift God will give. We seek the spirit, and the spirit works in us. The spirit does whatever it's going to do. Um, and it's in seeking God that we find the gift, not in seeking the gift. <laughs> That's an important thing to remember. That's why it's my hope in this series that you don't walk away with like another line to put on your resume, you know, like a thing to be like, oh, now I've figured out who I am, now I have this thing. Uh, my heart is that you would see how God wants to use and see you, and that we would understand that more about others. Um, it could be that as we've been talking about this, and we have two more weeks, we're going to talk about it. It could be that as you've been part of this, you find yourself saying, I still have no clue what gift I am. That is okay. <laughs> this is about, again, seeking God. This is a tool. It's a tool that may help you understand yourself a little better. And if you get to the end, you're like, I think I might be two things. That's okay. Of course you can be more than one thing. If you think I might have been this and now I think I'm this, that's okay. If you're like, I'm not really sure, but I really know that I like to clean the dishes after potlucks, that's great too. That's great too. It might be that after this series, you've been finding yourself saying, I've discovered a gift that I never thought of as a gift before, and I'm excited about it. My prayer is that you would find that way you keep seeking God about how to use it well. If you're not sure how to do that, talk to one of our pastors or someone from your pods if you're in a pod and ask, you know, how can I use this for God's kingdom? It might be that you have uh, realized that the gift you always thought you have is absolutely the gift you have. No surprises at all. <laughs> but maybe God is inviting you to use it in a new way. Maybe there's some way that you've been affirmed that this is how God wants to use you, and now God's going to stretch you in that. And it could be that this hasn't been about realizing things about you, but that you've realized things about others. And for the first time, you've kind of understood, oh, that's why that person does that. They're a shepherd. Or that's why that person does that. They're a prophet. I'm hoping that as a church, we would recognize those things and make space for them in ways that maybe we didn't always before, and we would celebrate all those unique gifts. But my heart's desire is that we would not get so focused on like wanting the white owl, which could be a lot of things, which could be figuring out what gift I have, or wanting a certain gift, or wanting my church to look a certain way, that we miss the brown owl, which as I said, I thought was really cute. Let's let God call us and use us in all the ways that God has for us. Let me pray. 
God, I thank you that you do call us and that it is you the one, you are the one that gives us these gifts that we might use them for you. I know some of us are still feeling a little baffled about it all, but my heart is that you would remind us that your spirit works in us and that you love us and so you have given us ways to serve you and that we'd be able to do that well. Make us a healthy body, God, where our gifts are cherished and used and there is space for all of us to use them well. In Jesus' name. Amen.